beauty standard in Korea is like a big topic, right? I didn't really want to try to fit into something that I'm not. I just feel more comfortable doing what I do. It's not really about following trends. I haven't been on many relationships. My first relationship was too good to be true, I guess. I just wanted to be in a relationship. I don't think I got into a relationship because I liked him so much. I got into a relationship because I like being in a relationship. When it comes to mom, they never mean bad. They always have good intention. It's just how it comes off. One thing that I learned from my coaching lesson is that you can never control anybody no one like not even my child not my mom not my best friend not my partner only person that i can control is myself the most recent book that i actually finished was the bible new testament and that took me quite a while to get through it was kind of good to see my beliefs and my values being in line with something that a lot of people believe in hey stacy how's your christmas and new year's it was really good thank you how about you pretty good yeah spent time with family very chill this year didn't sort of do much, yeah. Oh. Uh, last year, we did like a family get-together where we had all the family and uncles over. The year before that, I think I drove to the city and watched the fireworks around midnight, but I think I came late. So I literally like drove to the city and it was like 12, 15 and the fireworks had finished, so that sucked. And I think the year before that, I had a friend's house party. But this year, oh. um, went to friends for dinner. I had like dinner with friends. Um mm -hmm. At a friend's house, we did Korean barbecue. And for Christmas, we just it was just me and my mom and sisters. All right, I'm actually curious because you know, actually in Korea, it's kind of like the opposite to the West, I think. So Christmas is when you go out and party with your friends, so people oh, go clubbing, and then oh. New Year's you stay in with your family. I think it's because like the Sarnal, which is like the Chinese, you know, Lunar New Year. So we take New Year as like the family gathering and Christmas is like go out and party because I guess it's not really like an Asian culture to do Christmas. Yeah, I thought that was really funny when I first came to Korea. Like everyone was out during Christmas, like no family time. Was that um, during Christmas? Was it just the 25th? Is it a public holiday in Korea? It is. It is a public holiday. And then do you guys also celebrate Chinese New Year or Lunar New Year as well? So my family, we're not like too strict with traditions or anything like that but we just generally like holidays <laughs> so we celebrate a christmas we celebrate first of january and we also i guess do celebrate chinese lunar new year but we don't because we i lived overseas for such a long time we were away from our family so usually in korea on lunar new year everyone goes to their grandparents and there's like this New Year's food that we always eat and make and all those Korean pancakes and tteokguk and things like that which is the rice cake soup and we used to do that but when we moved to New Zealand it was hard to do that every year so we kind of stopped doing it but we still obviously eat tteokguk and try to do uh, those Lunar New Year food just by ourselves even if we don't go see our grandparents <laughs> I was in Korea recently at the end of September and I think there was like Korean Thanksgiving um, during that period and that was really cool it was sort of like everyone sort of went home from the city back to the countryside to their family and it sort of was cool how it linked up with the season how like that's the end of autumn maybe and that's where the sort of harvest is finished so they I guess they celebrate a good year of harvest and yeah that, that was a really cool experience yeah like you will see when you go to Korean supermarkets around that time you'll see a lot of like this like gift baskets or like the boxes of food so you always have to bring something to home when you're going down for the holiday and yeah it's in korea it's called chuseok and yeah it is pretty much like thanksgiving with the harvest season i think all the other asian countries have that as well 
Like in China, I know they eat mooncake. Mm -hmm. Man, when I was in Korea, there was so much traffic in Seoul. It was insane. I was like, like we could get around faster on scooters. And yeah, and I think Seoul is it's such a big city. Like I feel like you can fit New Zealand in Seoul. Or maybe not, actually, now thinking about it. But like Seoul is just so big. <laughs> Korea itself is tiny, actually. Like the size itself is so small, it's actually bizarre how much we have achieved in such a small country. But when you look at the population, it's definitely big. And Seoul itself, when it comes to like the city, even though country Korea is small, I realized traveling around Seoul city is really big compared to any other capital cities in other countries. Like when I was in Paris, I was I could walk around everywhere. Whereas in Korea, if you want to walk around, you're only certain district you can walk walk to. Other places, it will take you four or five hours if you wanted to walk. Yeah. It is really big, so it's very big. I think we'll stay in Coex, but then if we wanted to go to like Mindong Market, or if we wanted to go to that that tall building, um, yeah. like it'd be like completely different area. And you couldn't walk to each of these different locations. You have to like take a train or if you took an Uber or taxi, it took forever because of the traffic. <laughs> yeah, that's actually why I prefer um, subways in, in Korea. Not buses, not taxi, because it just takes too long. You don't know when the traffic's going to hit. Whereas with subways, they are always on time and you're not going to be late. Sometimes it can be crowded when it's like, you know, um, around 7, 10 a.m. when people are going to work or when they're getting off work. But other than that, it's really clean and like easy to use and very cheap too. So that's the best way to get around. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. So I know when we first chatted, you're talking about you grew up in New Zealand and at 10 years old, you moved to Korea. And then I guess you, were, you lived in Korea. And then I guess when you were a bit older, you got into social media. I guess give me a bit of a rundown on, on sort of how you got get into social media. Okay, so I was born in Korea, but not Seoul. I was born in this area called Daegu, which is like the mountains surrounded area. It's not it's not like the like super countryside, right? It's a big city. It's like the third biggest city, but it's not Seoul or Busan. And when I was 10, I moved to New Zealand and people ask me why New Zealand? And I always tell them I was 10 years old. I don't make decisions my parents did. So they decided New Zealand was a very clean, you know, safe country for children to grow up in. And it's an English speaking country. And their main goal was for us to be exposed to you know, Western culture and they learn English because they know it's beneficial, especially if you want to work in Korea. And they knew the world was becoming more global. So my sister, my mom and I moved to New Zealand when I was 10. That was 2006. And we grew up here, yeah. So not the Oakland city part, but like the North Shore side, which is more, I guess, like more residential area than the city. And that was my home for 10 years. I thought I would live there forever, but I moved back to Korea 10 years later, exactly 10 years later. In 2016, I moved back to Korea and I was going to university and all that. And when I first came back, I didn't move straight to Seoul. We actually all moved back to Daegu because my dad wanted us to be more you know, familiar with my city that I grew up in instead of just throwing us in Seoul, which is like a very busy city. And then a year after being in Daegu, we all moved up to Seoul. And I was just in university and everything. 
And that time, my sister and I had zero friends in Korea because we've been living in New Zealand. We didn't keep in touch with our, you know, primary school friends. So we were just spending a lot of time, you know, with each other. We were going to these cute cafes that we were always seeing on like internet when we were back in New Zealand and taking lots of cute photos, I guess. Like that's when Instagram was becoming like a big thing too. Like I think Instagram was first introduced in 2012 because I remember getting in 2013. And it still wasn't big concept of being an influencer, but it was like growing. So we were like, well, let's take cute photos because we had nothing else to do. And I think it was because Korea was not big on Instagram. They were more on Facebook. Instagram was still like a very new thing. I guess Instagram algorithm decided to push me and my sister onto other people's algorithm. And that's how we gained followers. And when we first came back, I'm still pretty western style I guess not too Korean you know standard beauty style but back then it was even more like western kiwi like super tan and everything like people knew when they walked past me like oh she's definitely not from Korea she didn't grow up here and I guess that's another factor that added on to me being exposed to more people and people following me because that's when Korea was really into hip-hop culture like street culture being more like hip and like not not just pretty cutesy k-pop but like they want to be cool and hip like tan skin and all that so i guess that it all just kind of worked out and i started gaining followers and it just didn't stop and i just continued doing it how about now do you reckon you've sort of started slowly subconsciously picking up korean sort of culture fashion sort of sense or do you think you're still sort of like people can tell you're not like korean no, people still don't think I'm like Korean. Like genuinely, people don't think I'm Korean at all or like, or like I'm like mixed. <laughs> and yeah, I think my sister started liking more Korean style, like hair and makeup and everything like that. Whereas I just kind of stuck with my Western style, I guess. I'm not like, obviously when I go to LA, I do see styles that's very different to me and everything. But definitely in Korean standard, I'm more Western than Korean. Especially when it comes to skin tone, because you know, beauty standard in Korea is like a big topic, right? And I don't know, for me, I like sun a lot. I love being under the sun, sunshine, going out, nature, hiking, and things. And I don't know, I don't, I didn't really want to, you know, try to fit into something that I'm not. I just feel more comfortable doing what I do. You know, it's not really about following trends. Yeah. So I don't think I've been too, I guess, influenced by Korean standards or Korean culture in that sense. That's so cool. I think over the last two years, I've been trying to like figure out, like I remember with my hair, I tried like so many different hairstyles and then I just figured out like, let me figure out what direction my hair grows. So my hair grows in a forward direction. So I, I used to like slick it back and, and bring it back, but it just wouldn't go in that direction. So I'm like trying to figure out what direction my hair goes, find a hairstyle that fits me. And, and same thing with like, clothing and sort of what I wear and sort of the things I like to do. I think it's cool that you sort of like stayed yourself. Like Korea is such a hard place to be yourself, I feel like, because I remember on the airplane to Korea, man, everyone was like watching Korean drama. The lady next to me, she had like a massage gun, a, a mask. She had all these beauty care items. She had this like leg massage. And I was like, whoa, like this is next level. Everyone here is like consuming content. And like every person was just watching Korean drama and that's sort of what they looked up to. And I was like, wow, it's such a, it's cool. But at the same time, it's scary because everyone's just watching someone else. Yeah, yeah, for sure. In Korea, 
there's it's like there's like pros and cons to everything right so i think it is good that like korea is coming up with all this like great content and everything but also at the same time it's i guess it's not the media or the content that's really the problem but like i feel like the educational system maybe is limiting people to think outside the box and do their own critical thinking they just see something on tv they think it's good and they just follow that and that's that there's nothing else that's better than that you know And yeah, for me, finding style as well. I mean, I definitely struggled. And you know, like, I actually just cut my fringe two days ago. <laughs> I was like, you know, I feel like getting a fringe, so I did it. I don't even know what suits me the best, but I guess when it comes to style, with hair or makeup or clothes, as a woman, I think, especially a woman on social media, I've struggled a lot trying to find who is me, who is Stacy. Like, what am I supposed to look like? was the question that I was asking a lot. There was a phase that I was, especially last year, I was more kind of forced into thinking that I have to accept everything natural about me. Like no makeup, I need to accept my skin condition, like my hair, because my hair is actually usually like really wavy. But like I straightened it today because last night I just didn't dry it. <laughs> And I was at this stage, I was like, you know, like just, you're not supposed to do anything. Like don't do anything to your face, don't wear makeup. And then I realized, None of that matters. Whether your hair grows this way and that way, whether your hair is straight or curly, I realized just do whatever you want. With fringe as well, like who knows if it's gonna suit me or not. I was like, you know, I'll just cut it and see. My hair grows anyway. So sometimes I dress super girly and more Korean style. Sometimes I dress more, you know, I guess sexy and like more Western style. Whatever I feel like that day, I'm like, I'm just gonna do it. <laughs> I decided not to put a rule to how I want to look. When I sort of went to Korea, I also was going to Mongolia and Hong Kong. So I sort of like, it was a bunch of different weather. It was like really cold in Mongolia, it was hot in Hong Kong and Korea. So I sort of packed a bunch of like shorts, short pants, short t-shirts, some jackets. And then like when I was in Korea, my friend, they sort of invited me out to like a nice sort of dinner. They're like dressed nice. And I was like, damn, I got nothing. So I had to go shopping. I quickly went to Zara, bought some pants, brought some shoes, brought like a nice dress shirt. And then I realized that my friend that I was traveling with, he never wore short pants. Like he only had long pants. He only had polos. And like, I was looking at my suitcase. I was like, I have nothing but like short pants and short t-shirts and no button ups. I was like, and then when I came back from that trip, I overcorrected. I just went on a buying spree. I started buying a bunch of long pants, a bunch of polos. And then I think similar to you, I was like, maybe like I can just have both. Like maybe I could just dress how I feel and have the formal clothing for formal situations. But then I still like a simple t-shirt and shorts when I'm going hiking or when it's like hot and I'm going to the beach. So it was like weird. I, I keep swinging back and forth between like wearing baggy sort of streetwear, sort of clothing and sort of having a nice sort of formal sort of attire. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think it generally comes down to balance. Like I said, I think it's great that how Koreans are so invested in their skincare and their fashion and how they want to present themselves. But they're on one end of extreme spectrum where they care too much about it whereas i do see some people who care not who just don't care at all and i don't know maybe this is controversial to say but for me i don't like the phrase don't judge a book by its cover as a keen lover of reading and books you definitely judge a book by its cover like it's how you're representing it first impressions matter And how, you know, like how you decide to dress and everything. If you want to dress simply and look kind of rugged, that's also a statement that you're making. So I don't believe in, you don't have to, you, you shouldn't care at all about your looks. But at the same time, I don't believe in, you, you know, looks are everything. You have to look perfect. 
it's like in between like you said when you're going to a formal place yeah maybe you know i shouldn't be so opposed to dressing up like why I, it's okay to dress up to the formal occasion and when you're feeling comfortable when you're going on a plane when you're at a beach why do you need to look perfect with hair everything like you don't need to it's you know it's balanced between relaxing and knowing what to wear in what occasion you don't want to be overdressed you don't want to be underdressed but at the same time you want to be comfortable and express who you are that's so cool what are like since you've moved back to korea what have been your friends or like acquaintances like like have you sort of do you hang out with like did you meet people in university do you hang out with other creators or are you still sort of quite independent and sort of doing your own thing so i guess like i went through a big roller coaster of different friend groups i guess like there was no drama i never have drama with people but um it was hard to find my group of people so how i started it was my sister and me <laughs> and then you know we would sometimes go out to bars and we met just like people friends just like I don't even know how to what the word is for English, I guess. Like normal people who's not, you know, like influencer, celebrity or anything like that. So we were just having, you know, making these kind of friends and it was really fun. And then when we moved to Seoul, like literally like the second day we moved there, like when we went out, we just started getting connections. Like we were meeting a lot of like music industry people. And then we got we got to meet a lot of celebrities and things like that, right? And when I went to university, like I loved talking to my classmates. And first of all, like, they were younger than me because I started my university degree in New Zealand. I was studying law. And then when I moved back to Korea, law was, you know, not transferable. And I just wanted to do what was what I liked doing. And I didn't want to pursue law anymore at that time. So I did English literature and international studies, double major. So my classmates were like two years younger than me, two, three years younger than, younger than me. And also what they talk about it were like celebrities and content creators that I, you know, hang out with. And I don't know, it might sound too braggy, but the reality is you can't have conversation, like a normal conversation with people who are talking about your friends as their celebrities. It's kind of difficult balance to make, I think. So, and I wasn't really finding the conversations like that with them interesting. Cause yeah, because I don't want to talk about what my friends were posting, what people that I saw were doing. It's like, I I don't I didn't really care, so it I found it hard to make friends in university. They were super nice people, just nothing for me to connect with. So university, I literally made my timetable so there's no gap. You know, there's no gap. I just did my lectures and went home, and I was just there for study, and that's all I did for the remaining three years, I guess. And my other group of friends were like people in the music industry or like content creators and mostly Asian Americans. Like there were a, this big group of Asian Americans in Seoul. Like they go back and forth with LA. So when I went to LA, even though it was my first time, I knew so many people because they come to Korea so often. They were my main group of friends for the longest time. And then COVID hit <laughs> and we were like Korea never went down when on the lockdown, so we were always free to do whatever. But all the parties and, you know, big gathering of like four to six people were banned. So I began spending more time alone at home. And I realized I really like <laughs> spending time on my own. And through COVID, I definitely went through a big growth spurt, I think. So I became a completely different person when COVID ended. Like I was no longer, you know, interested in 
festivals and having fun and meeting lots of people, making connections and all that. And I was just more interested in inner peace and self-development, reading, you know, traveling and things like that. So and I couldn't relate to the friends that I used to hang out with because when you are in the industry, you know, music industry and everything, their life is all about meeting people, partying and connecting. And to me, that became very tiring and it wasn't adding any value to my life anymore. So now I am, I guess, a bit of a loner. <laughs> I don't like see friends regularly. I have a few good friends that I would see like once every two or three months and catch up. And that's the perfect amount of socialing that I need. <laughs> How'd you go about finishing your sort of degree and then deciding to go full time into your social media? Was your social media already built? Was it already like making a full-time income while you're studying? So you knew for sure that you wasn't going to go into the workforce or how that transition happened? Or like, how did you jump into social media full-time? Um, like I said, social media just kind of happened to me in my life. So I guess I never really, I never saw it as my full-time job. Same as modeling. I just saw it as my fun part-time side hustle kind of thing. Pretty good side hustle, you know? And when I was in university, I was so set on go, you know, getting a job at a corporate, like doing nine to five and climbing the like corporate ladder and everything. That's what I was set on. And then when I graduated, I joined this company. It was a digital marketing company. So it had nothing to do with my majors, but because I was an influencer, I got hired and they were doing big projects for like international companies. And I was in charge of you know, these European countries and all their influencer marketing and everything. And I realized I really don't like that <laughs> because this is post-COVID. So this is like grown-up Stacy, inner healing, I want peace kind of Stacy. And first of all, the work itself isn't hard. It's honestly really easy. It's not difficult at all. But one, I hated sitting down 10 hours a day, 10, 10 hours a day staring at a computer screen because this is when I was like really into yoga. I could feel my body just like getting destroyed. My, you know, wrists were hurting, my back was hurting, my eyes were like, you know, always dry. And I was getting just like, my, you know, like when you get migraines and stuff, I was just, my body was not in a good condition. And I obviously started getting stressed, but I was doing yoga, trying to calm myself down and everything. And I tried, I was like, you know, this is supposed to be work, you know, work can't be perfect. And you're good at doing what you're doing and it's a stable job and you wanted to do this. So stick with it. But then um, we were doing a campaign and this company, they wanted to have more eco-friendly image. So they wanted to do this like um, yeah, environmentally friendly campaign with influencers. So then they can add more value to the world. And I was really happy because that, that's what I was really caring about. That's when I was really getting into cruelty-free makeup and water scarcity and everything like that. And so I was put in charge of the project. But while I was doing it, I realized the company honestly didn't care at all about those issues. All they wanted to do was just create that image like they care. So they just want to use an influencer who is eco-friendly and make the, make the brand seem, seem like it's eco-friendly. And so it was just going everything against what I believe in and what I was. And that's when I realized, oh, I don't want to do this. And they're not going to listen to me anyway. And in marketing perspective, you're not supposed to do that. You have to be sincere with what you're doing. Otherwise, people can tell. Like, we live in an era full of information. You cannot fool Gen Zs and millennials anymore with, you know, cheap tricks like that, using just an influencer when you're not making big difference. So I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. 
And on top of that, my boss was kind of pre- putting pressure on my team for doing good and leaving work on time because we weren't helping the other team because they, when they were not done with their job, not, not even my job. So like, yeah, you're, you know, you're good at job. That's good. But you're leaving at 7 p.m., which is when we are supposed to finish work. And you're going home straight away without helping the other people. So I was like, like, you're not going to pay me more. But you want me to stay, stay extra hours so that I can help people who are not doing their job properly. And that just really demotivated me. And I decided this is not what I want to do. Like, I want to use my time wisely. And I want to do a, something that I believe in and that I can actually bet out, add value to the world too. And so yeah, that's when I quit. And then I was continuing doing social media and everything but social media is not a very stable job especially being me like i'm in korea am korean but not making posts in korea and i'm traveling a lot traveling around a lot so it was kind of hard to i guess get a stable income but somehow i guess i'm managing <laughs> with like modeling and like my coaching job that i started yeah that's so cool so how long has it been since you've quit your job congrats by the way I don't even remember. I think it's been, I guess, two years. Oh, wow. Probably two years, yeah. And then over the last two years, do you think, like, have you been doing, like, a lot of vlogging, coaching, travel content? It seems like a bit of everything. Like, how would you categorize, like, your content or, like, your, like, career? Okay, so until recently, I was really lost. I had to do... I had to organize my thoughts and my concept for sure. Because like I told you, because social media just happened to me without me planning, it was all over the place. My social media was just about me, my life, whatever I was doing. And then slowly that naturally became traveling because I was traveling a lot. And then slowly it became positive and confident kind of content because that's who I was. It just directly reflected onto it. But recently I've decided I am just focusing on positivity and confident lifestyle because i genuinely believe everyone not just anyone but like everyone can be living a happy life if they're confident and if they're in touch with their inner self and that's what i want to focus on so slowly i am making a transition and when i tell people i will tell them like oh yeah like i do like positive and confident content creation and i do um perspective and confidence coaching is how i would describe that's cool. When you say sort of like get in touch with your inner self, what does that mean? I actually just made a post about this. And I think, you know, when people live, like we just let life go past us. We don't really pay attention. Like right now in this moment as well, I am sitting down here talking to you about my life. And it's all the decisions that I have made. And I'm being more conscious and aware of it. And paying attention to every little details that I do. I can see where all my reactions or like my actions, my gestures are coming from. It's an accumulation of the life that I have led till now. And if you really want to understand what's happening around you, you need to look into yourself and understand what has happened inside you. Like, for example, um, there was a phase of my life where I was having a lot of fights with my mom, like literally every single week. And usually people say like, oh, what's wrong with mom? Like what, you know, why is this happening and everything? But the answer literally lies within you. When you look into yourself and see what is causing these fights to happen, it stops to happen because you're aware of it. I was just saying that how we lie to ourselves the most out of anybody. 
we because we know it's going to hurt admitting it's kind of you know humiliating admitting my fault and what i have done or what has happened to me that can be embarrassing as well which we shouldn't be if somebody um you know caused some pain to us we shouldn't be embarrassed of admitting making wrong decisions and or like being in the situation that i got hurt because i was vulnerable but those are the things that you need to face that's what i mean by be more in touch within your with your inner self and you realize a lot of the things happening around you are in your control and you don't have to worry too much about it how did you go about sort of reducing the amount of arguments you had with your mom so for example last night both my sisters were out so mom was home alone so i just had dinner with mom and went on a walk with mom and it, it was good but i know for a fact that when I go on this Vietnam trip where I'm taking mum and my sisters to Vietnam and I'm going to be with mum for the next 10 days, every single day, it's definitely not going to be smooth sailing the whole way around. My current solution is uh, I, I see my mum every few days and I give her my full time and attention and then I try to quickly run back home and, and, and recharge and do my own thing for the next few days. And that seems to be like a good balance. I love my mom, but I know that we're really different people. Yeah. How did you go about your situation? First, I give myself a bit of time for me to process what I'm feeling first. So I'm like, I need to admit that, oh my God, I'm so angry. What am I angry about? And then I try to pinpoint what I'm angry about. It can be something like, oh, it's because how mom said something or like how she, I know that something's wrong, but she's not saying and it's really frustrating me and I'm asking her and she's not answering things like that and then I pinpoint what I'm angry about and then I try to think about from her perspective because we know they moms especially when it comes to moms they never mean bad they always have good intention it's just how it comes off so I try to understand because one thing that I learned from my coaching lesson is that you can never control anybody no one like not even my child not my mom not my best friend not my partner the only person that I can control is myself so if I don't like the situation that I'm in, I can do something about it instead of expecting other person to come apologize to me or realize what they have done. We cannot tell them to, hey, you realize what you've done to me. You know, I can realize what she's trying to say, what she wanted from the situation and see what I can do to resolve this issue. So I go up to her. She usually likes her time for me, but um, I'd go up to her and say like, hey mom, first of all, I am so sorry for lashing out to you like this. I was feeling so-and-so, so I, I got too frustrated and I exploded, but I shouldn't have no matter what the reason was, it was inappropriate. I feel like this is what you wanted and I would appreciate it if you could have done it this way. Can you please just let me know like if there's anything that you want to talk about because we both know this is not what we want. We don't want to be fighting. We want to resolve it. Like, let me know what I can do to resolve this issue so that we can move forward and, you know, be, you know, be happy and not fight like this because fights are so unnecessary. So like if I'm trying to like imagine the things that my mom says that like trigger me, it'll probably be things like she's always telling me to like sell my car. If I made a decision, business decision, she might not agree with it. She's always giving me advice that I know 
probably isn't a right fit for me with my knowledge. She's telling me to buy a house, even though I don't really want to buy a house. Um, she, she's always low-key shading certain people that I might spend time with. And it all comes from love because she loves me and, and she cares for me. That's why she says these things. And I guess the reason why those things trigger me because I know myself more than she probably knows me. And I sort of know that her perspective isn't a right fit for me. So that clashes with my ideals. And I can either tell her that I disagree and start a mini sort of conflict or I can just don't say anything and have that anger boil up on the inside. Yeah, what's usually the best solution? Um, in your case, um, I would personally just tell her. It, first of all, I will thank her for her input. Say like, I really appreciate you. Yeah, I can look into that. And the thing is, we always feel like, you know, especially when it comes to our parents giving us advice, we feel like we have to do it or we're just, we have to fight it. We can just be like, okay, that's actually a really good idea. Let me like consider it. Let me like, thanks for the advice, mom. And to be honest, most times that's all parents need. They all just need like, oh yeah, I heard you. Thank you so much for your input. I will really consider that because I respect your opinion. But most times, children's we you tend to be like, I'm not listening to you. You're wrong. I'm right. I know myself better. So for me, I would just say, okay, that's a that's a really good point, mom. I will look into it. And kind of just like leave it at that or say, oh, okay, that's a valid point. But to be honest, right now, I feel this, this, this way. So I'm not sure if that's the best way. What do you think? You know, just try to have a conversation instead of argument, you know, maybe she does have a point and we are missing something. Even though we think we know ourselves the best, a lot of the times people around us know us as much, you know, and maybe they see our blind spots that we don't see. So always, instead of dismissing it, um, always thanking and accepting their advice first and then going on from that is helpful. I saw this really good um, real TikTok video from, oh, I forgot his name, Vin, Vin Go or something. He's like a, I think it's Vietnamese and he's a speech um, coach. And he will say, instead of saying, yes, but say yes. And, you know, yes, that's true. And I think so on, so on, so on. Even though it's a counter argument, you don't have to be like, but. Because when, as soon as you say but, you're fighting. Because you're saying you're wrong. But you can say like, yes, that's true. And I think personally something. What do you think? And usually people don't fight against that. <laughs> that's pretty cool. How I think I sort of your content popped into my explore feed was um, all the traveling. How'd you like, what was the catalyst for all the traveling content. I, I really love all the solo traveling content. That was really cool. Stacy, were you traveling a lot before COVID? And, and what was the catalyst, I guess? Yeah. Before COVID, I wasn't really traveling a lot. I was going to Thailand a lot because I really like Bangkok. I had good friends there and I, you know, I had um, my friends going there and always inviting me. But after COVID, it's not like I was used to traveling alone or anything like that. But I just wanted to, I think after so long of not traveling, I really wanted to get out of Korea. So my first trip was to, I think it was to Europe. I've never been to Europe and I really wanted to go. So I went to Europe and I just really enjoyed that moment. There was this one specific moment that changed my view on traveling. I went to Germany and then Italy, then to France. In Germany, I was with a friend. I had a friend there. And in Italy, I had friends there, so I was with my friend again. But when I went to France, I was all by myself. And my first stop was Nice. I was only there for one night, 
and I was just on a bike. It was such a lovely weather. I was on a, I rented a bike, and I was just biking around this like small, cute town of Nice. And I went to a museum on top of the hill or Matizi, I think. And I was coming down on a bike, and I saw this like the ocean sparkling and people literally on the street playing violin. And it was during it was the second of January, so the Christmas market was still there. A lot of families and music. And I was coming down, literally feeling this cold wind on my skin, looking at this beautiful city, and I was like, "I love this. My life felt like a dream. It didn't feel like reality. It felt like I was in a dream or in somebody's movie or a book." And then I realized, no, this is my actual life. We don't have to dream about these things. These can be reality. And that's when I started enjoying traveling. Being in Nice, France, that I never thought would be in, I was by myself biking around, and that made me unlock, I guess, the potentials that I never really thought of. I never thought I could be, you know, in let's say China all by myself on a train or sub. Even like being on a subway in China, it's a bizarre to me. Like, who would have thought Stacy would be in China by herself? Never in a million year would I have thought that when I was younger. So when I actually went ahead and did it, I realized. I can do anything if I wanted to. It's just a matter of making a decision and putting action to it, and that's when I started traveling a lot. <laughs> that's so cool. Prior to like going to different locations, do you like line up friends or people that you might want to meet up in that locations and like accommodation, maybe some sponsored places that may host you for the night? Do you try to line that all up prior to traveling, or do you just like pay for the hotel yourself? I guess. Okay, I'm a very um, economic person, <laughs> and you know it's in my Asian blood to not spend too much money. <laughs> I love saving money, and also um my MBTI is INFJ. I'm like an extreme J. I don't know if you know what that means, but that means I'm super organized. I love lists. I love you know timetable. I have like daily timetables. Like before going to bed, I say eight a.m. wake up, eight thirty do something, blah blah blah. I'm just that kind of person, so I have everything organized before I travel, and usually I stay with hotels and I work with a lot of hotels. Yeah, that's so cool. And then, cause I've done it a few times where, like, before I went to New Zealand, even Tasmania, I'd like get my team to scrape together like a hundred hotels or Airbnbs. I'll just blast the lists with an email blast, and then five or six would get back to me. Three would work into my schedule, and that's like three days out of the ten day road trip. I'll have. Sort of um, covered for accommodation. Do you have a process on sort of getting free accommodation? What's the best way to do it? I do exactly what you did. I just go and search the hotels that I want to stay at, and I just shoot them an email. Like just because I have like a following doesn't mean that they will always reply.、Um, I think for me as well, if I mail like ten hotels, maybe like five, six will reply,、mm-hmm. and only out of that, maybe like two. Or three, if I'm lucky, like two or three will say yes. So it's a it's the same process as any but any other content creators. Like for me, I just email a lot of them, as many as possible.、Oh, I just differentiate a lot in the email as much as possible. I guess. <laughs> That's cool. How about flights? Is that something content creators ever get like covered, like free flights, or because like that's something I've never been able to do? Oh,、well, I think a lot of. Um, content creators do work with airlines, but I feel like it's more of the YouTubers that do that.、Mm. I haven't really seen any like 
Instagram or TikTok influencers get sponsored by airlines unless they're like in the millions. Uh, for me, I've been talking with um, this company who does marketing and I, I might be able to work with an airline, but it's not as common as hotels, for sure. How do you go about like balancing like wanting to plan and then travel in the next three months versus just sitting down filming content versus doing the coaching and all that? How do you decide which one of those things you want to do and, and focus on? Oh, uh, I think depends on my mood, <laughs> but my priority is definitely coaching. Like um, I'm more new to it, I guess, than social media and filming. So maybe that's why I'm paying more attention to it now. But I genuinely love working with my clients. It's so fun. I get to talk to all these different people from all around the world. Like it's bizarre how many different occupations there are and all that and talking to them really makes me fulfilled because as a coach it's so great to see your client starting the session really down and say like oh yeah i'm okay i guess to finishing like yeah yeah, life is pretty good like within 60 minutes so much can change in that person's you know behavior and their mood and i love that i feed off that energy so that's what i focus on the most like social media and film you know social media is fun and i love doing it it almost feels like a hobby to me so it doesn't feel like work and it's fun like traveling as well it's fun and it's like a hobby but whereas with coaching i am doing something adding value to the world like i mean like with social media as well i try to add value to the world but with coaching like it's more intimate because it's I only do one-on-one sessions with my clients. That's what I prioritize for sure. Like I wouldn't want to hold on, hold off my client's time so that I can go traveling. And what's great is with coaching, I can be traveling. And I, I was in Macau the other day, like not the other way, day, but last month. And I was doing my coaching session and there's no problem because it's all remote. What usually like catalyzes each of your trip? Like usually... Like, what made you want to go Macau? Is it usually something pops up, a friend invites you? What usually catalyzes you to go to these different locations? I guess biggest factor definitely is, like, what is, like, the cheapest flight right now from Korea. And then from that on, I say, oh, I've been here. I haven't been here. Let's go here and explore. That's why last year I was traveling to a couple of small cities in Japan. It's so fun. Instead of going to Tokyo, Osaka, I was going to Shizuoka. I was going to Takamatsu. Never ever heard of these cities before, but when I went there, it was so much fun. And another factor is food. Like, I went to Hong Kong because I wanted to eat food. Like, I was missing Hong Kong food. <laughs> and with, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> with your coaching, do most of your, do you know which platform you get the most requests from? Is it from TikTok, Instagram, YouTube? Where do most of your clients come from, you reckon? Surprisingly, it's TikTok. I oh. thought. Instagram because I had more, you know, I've been on longer and, you know, I am more interactive with my Instagram followers. But what I realized is when people book free sessions with me because I offer free sessions for everyone um, to find out about their story and whether their um, story, whether my program can help them. And whenever they submit these forms, they say, oh, I saw you on TikTok. And some of them don't even follow me. They don't even know who I am. They just saw one content that was just inspiring. And they just decided to see what my program was about and everything. And I think it's because with TikTok, even... Actually, I have more followers on TikTok now than Instagram. And on TikTok, like, I get more exposure. I have no idea what's going on with Instagram algorithm. I mean, I do. Like, they are prioritizing smaller creators. So mine's being 
not as exposed to others, I guess. But with TikTok, I am getting more exposure. So a lot of people get to see me. I was doing TikTok live as well. And some people come through that too. Yeah. So surprisingly, it's TikTok. Most people come through TikTok. <laughs> do you have like a posting schedule for all these different social media platforms? And do you have like a day and time you also do TikTok lives? Is that part of your schedule? Oh, I really need to do more TikTok lives, but lately I haven't really had the chance to do so. I mean, I'm actually, I just started doing my degree in psychology as well, so there's a lot to do. Um, with posting, I've been doing this for such a long time, it's kind of become my habit. Like when, the, when it's like 10, 11 a.m., I just know that I need to post something, and I always have like um, things to post scheduled. Like not scheduled, but like I know what to post next on the feed. So I, when it's like 10 to 11 a.m. I see it, I just like post. I guess I used to try to post every single day, but I'm like moving away from that because I really believe in the quality of content more than the quantity now. Like even though I'm not, let's say like I might not gain as many more followers through that, like I'm okay with it. Like I just want to put quality content out there that will actually be helpful to other people instead of just me looking pretty. <laughs> What's the um, demo of like the people who usually reach out for like the coaching? Is it usually younger teens or is it adults? Is it male, females? Because I imagine it'll probably be a reflection of your following, right? Actually, it's, all, it's been kind of like all over the place. <laughs> like I've had someone who was like 19 year old and then I have someone who's in their 50s who's like trying, like, struggling and trying to find sense of direction in their life. And they all come to me with different issues. Some can be about breakups. Some can be about confidence at work. Some can be about literally having midlife crisis. They don't know what they want to do with their life anymore. And so on. Yeah, with social media as well, because I do two different programs. One's a confidence and perspective coaching, which is the one that I do want to focus more on. The other one is social media, because so many people ask me how to become a content creator and so on. I just want to share my knowledge. So with the social media program um, as well, it's like all over the place. You would think it's just the younger generation who wants to become content creators. But no, actually, like a lot of like the people in their 40s and 50s want to mm -hmm get their hands on social media and try to express what they're interested in and so on. The only difference is um, with people who are in the older age group, they're not doing it to make money and to make this their full-time job or anything. They just want a platform where they can be more expressive with their creativity, which is great. Got it. With like TikTok, like how many people do you reckon you reach per week? And each week, how many free bookings, free calls do you think you would book in each week organically from that? I'm not, I can't say for sure because I don't have a, you know, questionnaire where I say like, how did you find me? Maybe I should have that, but I don't. And some people will tell me during the free session, like, oh yeah, I saw you on TikTok and that's how I reached out. But not everyone tells me how they know me. So I wouldn't really know. Sorry. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, because I remember like a few years back, I was going hard on YouTube and I was teaching people how to start an online e-commerce business. And I remember I like, like at my peak, my calendar was just getting booked out. I was like doing probably around like three to four free sessions every single day. And like it was probably maybe around like 10 a week. And man, like I was so exhausted. I was so burnt out after doing that for like a few months. Um, now I've sort of dialed it down drastically. So I was just curious to see if TikTok brings in a lot of bookings and yeah. I guess it really does depend on, so this is 
the technical social media part, right? So if I am only posting just like confident content, like positivity content, I wouldn't be getting as many pre-session booking. So mm-hmm. I was actually thinking of doing this on Instagram um, within this week. But when I do the call to action and say like, hey, I am looking for more clients for February, like book your session, free session now to see whether you want to be part of my program or not. Then it's like then a lot of people book like with instagram when i first opened my business my website and i said hey like whoever's interested like you can book now i was fully booked for the three first three weeks because i only opened my um booking for three weeks i was so fully booked and i was like okay maybe this is not the most efficient way to go (laughs) because you know the turnout rate's not as good when you do that like you, you have to be like um, intentional and tactical when you are asking people to book your free session with them. Yeah, so depending on like how aggressive you are with getting your viewers to book your sessions, I, the result definitely changes for me. Stacey, how's your shop rate like? Like the amount of people book in and they actually show up. I remember back in the days when I was doing it from YouTube, I was probably getting like a shop rate of like 50%. Half of them just wouldn't show up, they forgot, even with all the email. What's your shop rate like? Yeah, that's actually something that I did struggle with when I first started. And I asked my coach, I said, what do I do <laughs> as well? And at first, the very first three weeks that I did, um, it wasn't too bad, actually. It was like about 70, 80% people showed up. It was just 20% that didn't show up. But because I didn't expect that, I was so frustrated. And recently, I guess it's like pretty much the same. Like about 30% of the people don't show up no matter how many emails I send them. Like even though they said they will accept and they will come, they don't show up. But I've learned to just kind of accept it. <laughs> 70% is still really good. That's like really good for the industry. That's good. <laughs> what made you want to do the psych degree? Um, yeah, the psychology degree. What was the trigger for that? Being completely honest, it was because, okay, so I haven't been on many relationships. <laughs> I've only had like two proper boyfriends and one was when I was 18 and the other one was more recent when I was 27 I met him so I was like dating for a year I guess and I was struggling a lot because my first relationship was too good to be true I guess now in the hindsight I'm looking at it I was like whoa that was like so perfect no fight no arguments so loving I felt so loved everything was just perfect so that's what I expected from relationships and I got into the second relationship and I guess like we are older as well, so maybe that plays a factor, but it just wasn't what I expected. And I was going through a lot of emotions that I never felt like I was becoming the kind of person that I wasn't. And I was getting so angry at him, but at the same time, angry at myself for like, it, logically, it doesn't make sense why I did what I did. And I wanted to make sense of that. So I started listening to a lot of podcasts and I started reading books about it. And I like understanding things like instead of just say oh you know like when you do this like you're supposed to do that like I don't care about the supposed to like but why is it supposed to be that way is what matters to me so I started I guess educating myself and that's how I got out of you know this really hard you know breakups like feeling really like sad and down and demotivated so we tend to especially after a breakup I'm not sure about men because I'm not a man, but as a woman, like I think women tend to blame themselves a lot. We try to ruminate over things, ruminating meaning we overthink about negative events that happen. It's good to self-reflect, but also really bad to be too harsh on yourself and feel like it's all your fault. And that's how I was feeling. Like, because the truth is like, it's never only one person's fault. It's like two people causing a scene. So I was studying that a lot and I was trying to recognize how 
I can work on myself. And it was just fascinating finding out about these kind of things. And it, it really helped me move on really quickly. So I got intrigued. And I just genuinely like learning as well. So I thought doing, instead of just reading books about it, I think maybe getting a degree and studying with structure from like professors who are experienced in these like field will help me better understand my clients' problems and understand my life a little more as well. So I decided to do this degree. I'm curious, like with like Korean drama and like how they portray love, like I'm pretty optimistic. Like I haven't been in a relationship, but then I think I sort of know what I'm looking for and I just haven't found like a best friend. Um, so I guess I'm still optimistic in that way. But then yeah, sort of Korean drama sort of makes this thing where it's like you fall in love and it's like this perfect match. What's the divorce rate like in Korea? Like what's the culture like in Korea when it comes to that? And do you think K-drama like helps it, affects it? What's your thoughts there? I have no idea what the exact divorce rate in Korea is. Like these days actually on the news people are like the government's complaining about people not getting married. <laughs> like even though they're married, they don't actually like you know, sign the papers and become legally married. Um, I assume the divorce rate is pretty high in Korea. And that obviously boils down to the Asian tradition of like not speaking about their feelings and working on themselves and going to therapies and things like that all add up. And I think the effect of K-drama, I don't watch K-drama, so I'm not sure how much effect it will have on it. I think it has more effect on foreigners who watch K-drama than the Koreans because Koreans... Us living here, we know the reality of dating. We know K-drama is K-drama and real life is different. Whereas I heard a lot of foreign fans tend to think, oh, Korea is so lovely with all that kind of love, and which is not true at all. Yeah, so I don't know how much it would have affected it. But for me personally, whenever I do see Korean drama, sometimes I see a lot of toxic stuff. I'm like, mm, that's not a good side in a relationship. Why are people praising it, if anything? But yeah. it definitely does skew people's mind on it. Do you reckon like like a relationship takes a lot of work in whatever relationship it is? Or do you think you can find someone that is highly compatible and it is like a bit of frictionless? Yes, there's going to be ups and downs, but it's pretty like a good fit. Is that too optimistic? Or do you think most relationships are very tough and it requires a lot of work and it's like a full-time job? I mean, it depends on who you decide to be with, I guess. For me, but I definitely think there are people that you just do click with and it just works out better. Like I told you, my first relationship was really easy. <laughs> like, I don't, I was with him for two and a half years, but I don't remember having a big fight with him. We always talked it out. He was so sweet from the beginning till the end, like, literally. We, we had this thing called month anniversary. Like, I wasn't thinking, as a girl, you know, like, usually girls are the ones who think about that, right? But then he was the one who came, like, oh, it's been a month since we dated. I was like, I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. Like, he was the one celebrating and remembering all that kind of stuff. He was the one being more careful, like, more, like, caring, not careful. And, yeah, so, like, the relationship was really good. And I think for you to find that good fit and be in that, like, more stable, healthy relationship. Like, both parties have to do their inner work and really work on themselves and know themselves. Because if you don't know exactly what you want, you can't tell that, communicate that with the other person, right? My second relationship wasn't like that, but I did meet someone who was like that. I It was, like, so compatible. Like, we were... I mean, from my end, I felt really, like, comfortable, safe, and talking to him and everything. And if we got into a relationship, I don't think I would have had many. 
like dramatic fights that's unnecessary could have had arguments but not like to an extent that i did with the first relationship where the guy was like a sweetheart cared for you remembered all the important dates why do you think that one didn't work out despite that being completely honest <laughs> i was i just wanted to be in a relationship and i don't think i got into a relationship because i liked him so much i got into a relationship because i liked being in the relationship you know um i was 18 and i was like oh yeah i want to you know i want to have a boyfriend i want to go on dates you know i want to have my first kiss and everything so i was like mm. so the motive like the motive behind getting into the relationship was wrong to begin with he's such a sweet guy just i realized it wasn't really for me and then i moved to korea as well and i wanted to experience a lot i think if i stayed in new zealand maybe i could have just married him and everything i think we would have been happy but because i moved to korea a lot of things changed and i wanted to go out and explore more with people and see this i just knew if i stayed with him i would be thinking what if for the rest of my life you know what if i you know met other people and went on other dates as well yeah i think that's the reason what kind of um, books and sort of topics have you been like really into over the last six months, Stacey? Okay, um, the most recent book that I actually finished was the Bible, New Testament, and that took me quite a while to get through. And that was great. It has, I'm not religious, I'm not Christian, I'm not anti-Christian or anything like that. But a lot of the things that were written in the Bible actually really aligned with what I believe in. So it was kind of good to see my beliefs and my values being in line with something that a lot of people believe in and to see that a lot of people believe in what I believe in too. And other than that, I've been reading a lot of self-development books, I guess, and some novels and literature too. I go all over the place. I try to mix it around. So if I read a self-development book, I try to read a literature. And if there was too serious, I try to go back to reading like a light novel and then something like bible <laughs> it's a cycle do you read like one book at a time or do you read multiple books at the same time and jump in between no just like dating i'm like very loyal to one person in one book so if i'm reading one book that's the only book that i'm reading have you read the bible the old testament of the bible or you haven't no he don't okay so i got my bible gifted by a friend <laughs> And he told me to start from New Testament, so I was like, okay, and I got through New Testament recently, and I was like, I'm gonna give it a break before going to the Old Testament. Interesting. What's your thoughts on, like, the universe? Do you think there's, like, someone looking over us? Do you think we're, like, in assimilation? Do you think this is just one of many parallel universes? What's your thoughts? I don't... I think for me, the parallel universe... I'm not opposed to the idea of it because the universe is so vast. So maybe that's true. Like, I'm not, you know, like, against it. And someone looking over us, I don't see it as, like, someone looking over I don't know. I think that's a very selfish thought that humans made. Why do you think there's, like, one this person or this entity that just looks over us? It just could be literally energy. Like, it can be, like, a scientific energy that's, like, um, making all these happen, you know. Because when you look at the moon as well, like, I saw that, like, the waves or the oceans moved depending on the moon's movement and where it's like located so what's to say that we're not affected by all this kind of like energy that cannot be seen by our eyes so i don't know maybe it's god maybe it's just the universe maybe it's just energy or maybe it's the aliens i don't know what it is but i do believe in a bigger energy power that we don't understand there was this movie i was watching called i origins and there was this scientist and there was this girl 
and worms only have two senses. Humans have three senses. We can see, feel, and smell. But worms can only feel and smell they don't see. So that means they could be moving around on this table, but they can't see the light that's sort of hitting them. Whereas we can see the light all around us and it's quite obvious to us. And she was saying like, what if there was like a fourth sense that humans struggle to sort of tap into and you know you can feel I don't know the, either the universe energy spiritual I don't know what that fourth sense is but like I was like huh actually like what if there is a fourth sense that we like some people can tap into most people can't and and there's there is this fourth thing similar to light where light is so obvious to us but for the worm they have no idea that light exists yeah that's so true it's interesting isn't it maybe to warm we might feel like this god that they don't know yeah. Suddenly, you know, there's like an earthquake to them. It's just us like stepping over. That's interesting. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. Anything you've, any recent discoveries you've sort of been implementing into your life, Stacey, over the last few months? Okay, so over the holidays, my sister, she lives in Singapore right now working there. And for Christmas, she came and she went back to Singapore. And then three days later, she decided to come back to Korea for New Year's. And talking to my sister... Um, I've had more, I guess, like small epiphanies and I'm trying to implement that into my life in 2024. And one is that I don't smile or like my facial expressions or my default facial expression has changed since 2019. Like default Stacy face in 2019 is different to what it is today. I think these days I'm like, I seem more tired, I guess, and a little soulless. I think it's to do with aging and going through a lot in the past few years as well. But back then I was just more, I think in my eyes, there were more sparks and like hopefulness and everything. So I'm trying to bring that back into my life because if I really think about it, there's so much great things happening and I really shouldn't be giving my energy to things that I don't want to happen things that are bad that I am scared of. Like I shouldn't give my energy to that. So I'm practicing giving my energy to things that I wish would happen and things that I actually genuinely enjoy. And another thing is really drawing clear boundaries. So I like being a nice person and I have been like a pretty good person <laughs> for my whole entire life. But the catch in that is most, a lot of the times kind hearted people tend to be really bad at drawing boundaries. And over time, it becomes resentment towards other people. And I could feel myself feeling that. That's probably why I lost the soul, like, you know, sparks in my eyes as well, because I was getting disappointed at people and so on. And I thought there was other people to blame for me feeling that way. Because I'm nice to them, why are they not nice to me? And then I realized, no, that's my fault for not drawing boundaries and letting them know that I'm nice doesn't mean that I can't say no to them. I was always saying yes to people, so I was people. I was a people pleaser. And when I didn't get what I expected, like silently, I was, you know, resenting. So I'm gonna pull away from this person and everything. And I realized how toxic that was. And same as getting hit on by guys on street. That's something that I kind of had to struggle with um, last year. Funny to say struggle with, but it's a real struggle. When someone approaches me on the street, I. Like, a lot of the girls would just be like, no, no, thank you, and just walk away. But I was just kind of really bad at doing that. I felt bad. <laughs> and But then my sister told me, like, if you said no, and if they're not leaving you alone, why are you feeling bad for someone that's harassing you? So I'm like, that's really true. <laughs> and, I just, and I realized that wasn't me being nice. That was just me literally being dumb and not drawing my boundaries. 
So that's another thing that I decided to do this year. Like, be nice, but don't be harassed by other people. Yeah. That's so cool. Like, over the last year, I've been like, 2023 was like the year of me, like, just being honest instead of being like telling people, friends in my life, sort of what was on my mind, and like having a lot of those tough conversations. And we either just grew apart after that tough conversation or we got much, much closer. So I've been loving doing that and I've been more and more comfortable at just calling people out on things that annoy me. So that's number one I want to sort of continue doing. But then secondly, another thing I'm finally realizing is that, you know, I, I'm probably not a right fit for like most people. Like I, I was I was wanting, like I, I knew I was a nice person, a kind person. And I was like, why doesn't this person want to spend time with me? And, and that was the wrong mindset. Like I, I, I'm trying to shift it to like, you know, that we're probably not a right fit. And then I sort of move on. Like for example, with getting people on the podcast, you know, if I blast email like a hundred different creators, like only the two, three, four, five people that are similar to me would reply. And that's sort of what happens. And while I'm not thinking of the other 95 that didn't reply, but for some reason in life, when I meet someone in person and they're one of the 95 that we don't connect, for some reason, I want to sort of, if, if they're like slightly cool, I want to sort of hang out with them more. But I think this year, I'm just going to learn to like let go. And if something clicks, it's like pretty natural and I don't have to sort of work at it like that and I think just coming from a place where when I was in high school I sort of struggled to make friends instead of learning how to communicate being more charismatic making more friends I sort of overcorrected now where I want everyone to be my friend and now I sort of have to go back to the middle ground I guess yeah I think connecting with people is not as easy <laughs> as it may seem one thing that I did tell my client is that you cannot be liked by everyone and at the same time you don't have to like everybody as well because a lot of the people feel like if you don't like somebody like you're a bad person well no just because you don't like them doesn't mean you're gonna do them harm you just don't click with them just move on that's fine you don't have to be liked by everyone you don't have to force yourself to like everyone and another thing actually i do want to bring this to attention because i don't i don't think this applies to you but it applied to me and i think this applies to so many people in this world in 2024 because we they call us the lonely generation right because we are the loneliest people in entire history and i was feeling really lonely like friends wise i lost so many friends last year i lost all my important like my best friends people that i really loved for like different reasons and i was feeling really like a loner like i have no friends i have no friends i as a joke as a habit i used to say that all the time to my mom and my sister yeah i have no friends to people that i met oh yeah i have no friends and it's really scary what you say as a joke becomes a habit and habit becomes you and i was genuinely feeling really lonely like i had no friends but the truth is um this is actually mel robbins i'm not sure if you're familiar with mel robbins podcast but i was listening to her podcast and she was saying exact same thing i was feeling so lonely like i had friends i feel like they were like hanging out with other people but not reaching out to me and that's exactly how i was feeling and then she was saying but when you actually talk to them that's exactly how other people feel just because they're not reaching out to you doesn't mean that they don't care about you maybe they're waiting for you to reach out to them just like you and that's how I was feeling and then um some of my friends you know towards the end of the year they were reaching out to me saying hey what are you doing for Christmas do you want to do this and I realized it was literally all in my head I was feeling lonely because I made myself lonely and sometimes you have to just reach out to them first when even though you feel like 
they don't like you or whatever, maybe that's just your assumption and reaching out to them and actually like talking to them will help clarify your relationship with them. Because I think a lot of people these days lose friends and connections because of our silly assumptions about other people. It's like when I sort of, if, if I look a few years back, I was just looking for friends that I can just hang out with, spend time with, they, they wanted to spend time with me, people to just do activities with. Then I started meeting people that would want to hear what was on my mind and what I was doing and, and they were like a bit fascinated. Like I'd share the things I was up to and they'd be generally curious and ask questions. And that became the norm. And I started slowly like growing up away from people who just hung out and we didn't have, they, they couldn't relate with the things I was doing. And then now I'm starting to like, I have one or two friends that are like really curious. Like they, they, they ask questions and they're sort of peeling the layers of onions and, and I'm able to talk about all these different interesting things I love to talk about. And they're just sort of like digging it out of me. I don't have to bring it up and, and, and then have them listen. And then now that's becoming the norm. And if I just hang out with someone that would listen, if I brought something up, but they didn't seem that interested, that type of communication is, is less fun than talking to someone where their eyes light up as I show them something I discovered. And like the standards, scaringly keep going higher and higher and then the pool keeps getting smaller and smaller but um hopefully if, if now i know that's what i'm looking for maybe i can just focus on on looking for those type of people but it's pretty hard to find like curious people but that's sort of been my journey i guess yeah no i feel exactly same as you i feel like not that like my old friends were like bad people or anything like that. It's just that my interest does not align with their interest. And it's sad truth, but I couldn't talk to them anymore. Like I don't need someone to listen to me. I want someone to engage in a conversation with me. And it's really difficult when that person doesn't really care about the topic. It's not that they don't care about me. They just don't care about different breathing technique that's good for your body. And I can't blame them. Like when somebody talks about, let's say, tech stuff, like I'm not interested. Like I don't want to talk about that. And that's fine. And yeah, like we have so many people in this world, but depending on where you live, I think it does definitely impact on how many friends you can make. Because if I'm in like Bali, I'm sure I'll find way more people who's interested in yoga and breathing techniques than when I'm living in Seoul. You know what I mean? But never give up. There's always someone like you. <laughs> we can have lots of friends. <laughs> and honestly, I think one or two close friends is more than enough. Like, it's enough. <laughs> That's true. I agree. What type of yoga have you been doing, Stacey? Okay, lately I've been really gentle because I have like this back problem. So it kind of hurts to do all this like advanced movements. But usually I do like um, vinyasa and power vinyasa. But lately I've been more into hatha, I guess. Have you tried um, doing like hot yoga, Bikram yoga? Yeah, I did try. Um, it's nice. I did it so hard. Yeah, but I think it's really good for like practicing your like breathing and everything and endurance it's really good for your mind that's how i felt at least yeah because i really cannot stand heat i remember doing it and then like the f i'm pretty fit but like the first two times like a quarter way in i was lying on the floor like i couldn't stand up i was getting dizzy i think by the third or fourth time i was able to like do the whole session but that like was surprisingly more difficult than i thought <laughs> It is like I actually tried to one of my classes that I did. I was doing hit yoga, so it's like hit workout plus yoga. But it wasn't as hot. It was like thirty five degrees Celsius, and that wasn't yeah that wasn't as easy for uh, my students. But I tried to experiment with that as well. 
How about, um, do you do Wim Hof breathing or any of that stuff? Oh my god, okay, Wim Hof breathing. So you know how I told you that there was this one guy that I did really like click with, but they just didn't really work out that I didn't end up dating? He's the one who gave me the Bible and he's the one who got me all into this self-development and everything as well. And like he, one of the first things he told me about was Wim Hof. Like this is like when I didn't even know the guy that well. And he was like, Stacey, lie down. And like, dude, he made me do the Wim Hof breathing. I was like, what is this guy? Why is he like yeah. making me like breathe really hyperventilate and then stop breathing? So yeah, I've definitely tried it. I'm aware of it. Um, yeah. <laughs> do you like, when you say working on your breathing, I guess that's a bit extreme. How, how do you sort of practice breathing then? Or like, how do you breathe correctly? Okay, I actually read a whole book about breathing. It's called Breathe. Oh, I forgot the, his name, but he's Nathan something. And it explores different types of breathing and what's more effective in different situations. Because just there is no one breathing technique that's good for you. Depending on whether you're running, you're doing yoga. Even in yoga, you take different forms of breathing depending on whether, whether you're doing hatha or when you're doing vinyasa or ashtanga, like you do different breathing, right? And I was just more interested in that because when I'm running, I don't think I should be breathing like how I'm breathing when I'm sleeping. And when I'm doing boxing, it's also, again, different type of breathing. So I try to be more aware with how I breathe depending on what activity I'm doing. So throughout the day, I try to remind myself, like I'm not perfect at it, but I try to remind myself to take deep breath, like deep breath in and out. It's not just when you're nervous, you do that. We should be very con. We should be doing this as a habit to like breathe in at least three seconds and breathe out at least three seconds through your nose, out your mouth, you know? and breathe in through your belly instead of our chest. But a lot of people don't, because they're not aware of it, they don't do it. And that's actually very detrimental to our health. So I try to be aware with it when I say I practice breathing and so on. That's so cool. Last question, any plans or what's what's the focus for the next six months, Stacey, for you? Um, Expanding my coaching business, for sure. I need to do more marketing. I'm still new to it, so I'm not sure how I'm supposed to get more clients and how I can engage with more new people. That's my main goal, really expanding my coaching business. And second thing is I'm moving back to Bangkok in March. So that's another big move. And yeah, beginning my life in Thailand now, I guess. <laughs> Is the main reason you want to move to Thailand, is it just because there's more sort of digital nomads, freelancers there? What's the main sort of catalyst for that? I don't know. I think I just really like Bangkok. Like I've traveled to many different cities and there are definitely cities that I love to travel to, like Nice. I think that's my favorite city I've ever traveled to, but I don't necessarily want to live there. Whereas Bangkok and Hong Kong, I just really like. And those are the cities that I would like to live in. So yeah, and I have good friends there. And the overall vibe of the city is really nice um people might not agree with this but every city has different vibe and it all comes from people it's not the landscape it's not the food it's literally people emitting that kind of energy and my energy definitely aligns more with bangkok than seoul so i wanted to move and i'm just trying it out maybe after a year i'll be like no bangkok's not for me and move to another city but for now my heart says move to bangkok that's so cool how does like, what's the energy in Bangkok versus like, say Chiang Mai or Bali? I actually haven't been to Chiang Mai or Bali. Okay. But Bangkok, I don't do nightlife. So I don't know. I know a lot of people do like the party scenes there, but I don't know what that's like. But what I do know is that Bangkok has people there are just so lovely. There was just this one incident that happened that sums up what 
what kind of vibe I get from people in Bangkok. I was walking on the street uh, with my ex and we were just going back to our place. And there was a homeless person lying in the street. And in Korea, like, usually homeless people can be kind of rude or scary. And then this time, like, this guy just saw us. And he's like, oh my god, I'm so sorry I was in your way. And they just, like, started laughing and started having conversations. How are you? And he's like, oh my god, you guys had dinner? That's great. Have a great day. I wish you all the best. And that kind of interaction. And that's the vibe I get from Bangkok. I feel so welcomed. People are so nice and lovely. They seem less stressed as well. Maybe I haven't seen the other parts of Bangkok, but my interaction that I had in Bangkok, they were all always lovely, positive, bright, and upbeat. That's so cool, Stacey. Stacey, where can people find more about your content, get more about everything that you shared today? Um, what's the best place for people to get more of Stacey? Well, Instagram and TikTok, you can see a lot of my content, like ya.stacey, yeah, Stacey, everywhere on social media. <laughs> And they can, you can also find me at my website, which is again, yastacy.com. And I try to write more blogs there. That's more inspiring and motivational. And that's where you can find out about my program and book your free sessions as well. And find out about me in general. That's so cool, Say. Thank you so much for your time. I had like a great time chatting with you. I love how you're so entrepreneurial. You've sort of been through like a cool journey and you're sort of sort of like in the social media space but then you're also in the travel space and then you're also like into the personal development so you have this cool mix of different sort of things that make you unique so yeah i really appreciate your time today thank you so much for inviting me actually i want to say this one last thing um i feel like i've been manifesting this because ever since i started coaching um i was you know researching how to get clients and how to be more connected and they were saying one of the ways is to be on a podcast and I'm really new to podcasts because in Korea, podcasts were not a thing for a long time. And I've been recently been listening to a lot of podcasts and then you reached out to me and I was like, this is perfect. And so I wanted to start the year doing the podcast with you. So thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, guys, if you made it this far, thank you so much for your time. Hopefully you guys got value from this episode. Please send me a message. Let me know your thoughts. Um, and yeah, I'll see you guys next week with another episode. Peace. Bye. <laughs>